Welcome to First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. I'm your host, James Gardner, certified athletic therapist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, yoga instructor, human being. This platform, for the pros, by the pros, anybody in the performance space, and beyond. Welcome here to share in the stories of professionals, experiences, journeys, learning along the way. It's a platform to connect, to network, and to be a part of a community that cares with conversations that matter, experiences that resonate, and generate ideas, thought-provoking, organic dialogue, passionate probes. Brought to you as always by First Star Therapy, Mobility Tape, Epic, and Benchmark Athletics. In association with the Canadian Athletic Therapist Association, it's First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being a part of it. Session 78, Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast with Nicole Sullivan this evening and uh, a true pleasure, an amazing guest, an amazing woman, an amazing human, an amazing practitioner, and uh, really humbled to have worked uh, beside her, uh, I guess kind of alongside her through a rehab process of my own in, in the past and gotten to know her through some athletes that we have shared um, experience with and, and various pieces. But before we get to that, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. It's June something, I don't know, 20th, something like that. Um, and it's Father's Day. So for all of you out there celebrating this or um, with the opportunity to, to, to share, uh, happy Father's Day and, and all the best to everybody. Uh, as always, these sessions are brought to you by First Star Therapy, um, Mobility Tape, Epic, and Benchmark Athletics. And just a reminder for all Ontario athletic therapists out there, the OATA board has announced that save the date of June 26th for the AMM. They've also announced they'll be having a series of town halls. This platform, Let's Chat, has always served as a vehicle to educate yourself and get informed. We all need some positivity during this pandemic as we begin to shift towards whatever normal looks like. Uh, and in the aims of listening and being heard, being transparent, collaborating and uniting within this profession openly, the pandemic has challenged all of us. The OATA is a member-based association with a member-elected board, and therefore all member input should be valued and considered. So if you're a member of the OATA, please uh, reach out, join the AMM, that's June 26th, get informed, have your voice heard, and hear what is going on. If you're a member of another provincial chapter and want to get events out there, please reach out by email or on Instagram. So that's that, always in association with the Canadian Athletic Therapist Association, Nicole Sullivan. Nicole has always had a passion for movement, spending a lot of time riding the subway to soccer fields and volleyball uh, practices, has always had the desire to create with, learn from, and motivate those around her. This naturally led her to the world of exercise science, sports medicine, and physiotherapy. The connections between the many complex systems of the body have always amazed Nicole, and she now uses an integrated, individualized approach and finding and has found her strength in breaking down what can sometimes seem like a complex and overwhelming amount of information into simple, manageable 
terms and access from personal experience. This was uh, an amazing experience for me as a patient of Nicole's and, and, and we'll get into that potentially, but uh, from, from personal experience working with her, she certainly listens, she educates and collaborates with patients to get them moving forward, whatever that looks like for the patient. Outside of Mendefisio, this amazing human is a lead therapist for Volleyball Canada's beach national team. Most recently, I think, and get, correct me if I'm wrong, traveling to Mexico. I think that was your last travel. Is that your last international travel? Um, she is the co-owner and founder of Mend Physio here in Toronto in the Leslieville, Riverdale area, an amazing little spot. Um, Nicole, thank you for being here. Thank you for carving some time in. Uh, I know it's Father's Day and there's kids in the background and all of these things. So appreciate you uh, spending some time. Thanks for having me. Happy Father's Day to you. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a buzzy one. Yeah, a nice little picnic and time outside, kick the ball around. Um, you have kind of an amazing story. We have some overlap with some people and, and some amazing athletes who I've spoken to sort of regularly and people that you have, uh, you know, regular interaction with in the volleyball scene, but your patients on a regular basis. How, how did, I guess... I mean, the overview, the bio sort of led us to how things evolved. Um, what was the interest initially in sort of movement and, and what was sort of the piece that uh, said, aha, I need to do that. And then what was the evolution to mend and, and how did that come about? Because I think it's amazing all the things that you've done and, and owning and, and founding something of, of your own is uh, always um, a good share for other listeners. Well, I definitely thanks. Thanks for saying all those nice things. <laughs> it definitely isn't like so, so straightforward. I think, I mean, it, it's probably assumed because I did grow up playing sports that, you know, I just like played sports and I had a physio and then all of a sudden, you know, I wanted to be like them. That isn't really, you know, how it worked out for me. I, I had very little access to resources growing up, but I did have access to sport and, you know, and my really good, my best friend, her dad used to drive me to soccer and my PE teachers in primary school and in high school, they really encouraged me a lot and like kept me out of trouble. And, you know, that helped me um, to, you know, hone some leadership skills and understand, you know, wasn't the best athlete like physically, but I learned a lot about like how to be a leader and be a part of a team. And I never really got injured growing up. So I didn't have that, um, interaction with a physio and I played a lot of sports a lot of hours but I just I don't know maybe because I did karate and dance from a young age I, <laughs> you know I didn't really maybe I didn't have access to resources too I don't know the reason I just I never did and then um, you know through a series of um, unfortunate events in terms of my my father was very ill and was palliating a physiotherapist actually came to my house during palliation and that was my first interaction with seeing what a physiotherapist did that wasn't sports side and just kind of thinking like, well, that's a kind of cool job. But because I had had so much leadership and help and, and empathy given to me from PE teachers and teachers in general, I really thought I was going to be a PE teacher. And I just was kind of into science. And I thought, you know, I'll go to university and I'll do kin and I'll just probably be a PE teacher. And then I once I stopped playing sports, um, just was, you know, the natural progression to kind of miss it and then figure out where I would fit in and where I could still be involved in sports, like playing 
um, wasn't going to be in the cards for me once university started. And then I started working with teams. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I do want to still be in this space. And I do I do want to pursue a life in physio, but that it didn't come right away either. I did like a master's in sport medicine. I had some, you know, good mentorship there too, and realized that academia wasn't for me either. And then it kind of slowly trickled into me, you know, eventually finding a program that sounded like a place where I wanted to be at McMaster. And then it kind of working with teams, it just kind of trickled on from there. And that's kind of what happened. And I just, went to work and the Volleyball Canada job kind of popped up and I applied and it was all in the same year opening a clinic and and doing that I mean it, it sounds so simple at that point there's a lot of <laughs> when you graduate from school and, and you know I try I've been trying really hard to make sure that I'm still in touch with new grads and and help because that's a really vulnerable time and I think I really had to learn a lot in the first couple of years of work first before I got into making a decision of wanting to maybe go into clinic ownership and also the desire to go into sport and know that it would be very challenging from a travel perspective and from, I don't even know, as a organizational perspective in Canada. It's hard. It's a hard go with family and friends. You know, yeah, you give up yeah. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Those sacrifices. And I'd love to get into some of that with you um, as well as we go. And I, I just love hearing people's stories because the majority of people come on and they're like, you know, I played sports. I had, they had lots of access to, to resources and to sport. And, and then they got hurt themselves and they're like, boom, that was it. Like, because I felt it, I, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and it's really interesting to have sort of a non-linear, non-direct uh, unsmooth road and, and to create your own path through that and your journey through that. And, and it seems, I guess, somewhat simple looking back at it, but obviously you've experienced all of those things along the way that, um, you know, you have to till it first, you have to, you know, put gravel down before you put pavement on top of that or asphalt or whatever the road is that you've made. Um, and, and none of that's easy at the time, but in looking back, all worth it uh, as you commit to, um, the development of, of MEND and, and all the things that you're doing. Um, was there ever sort of, uh, I mean, mentors along the way that sort of encouraged you to move into your own practice? Or I guess, how did that evolve um, as you were coming along? There's I don't want to say watered down, but there are plenty of people and most people coming out of school, they think, okay, I'm going to work in pro sport or I'm going to work, I'm going to own my own clinic. Like those are my options. And uh, yeah. how did you disseminate and how did that, how did you pull the trigger? And, and, and then sort of, you know, the keeping it going part is a whole nother uh, ball game, but, but yeah. where did that, where did the decision to go out sort of on your own and, and do your own thing come from? Like, gosh, I never thought that I would do either of those things. I never thought that I would have, the ability to go work in pro sports like I just didn't um, see the pathway I didn't uh, understand the pathway um, I didn't know how it worked from like um, a sexism perspective like being a female uh, feeling like I didn't have enough experience like I didn't know the ways to get there and in terms of clinic ownership there weren't a lot of um, role models for my business partner for Candace and I and it kind of was born out of neither of us wanting to do it or anticipating doing it and then just you know yeah. year after year experiencing some like emotional and like 
just discomfort, like that discomfort that sits with you that makes you feel like you need to change, not necessarily make a change and like understanding and unlearning and recognizing like all the systems around you and the systems, you know, that you're a part of that may be oppressing and like different power dynamics and just living and sitting in those and being really uncomfortable to the point where we just both felt at the same moment that we needed to just do something that was more along the lines of like our our beliefs and our ethics. And it didn't really follow the framework of a lot of clinic owners that we had known before us in terms of like people didn't encourage us and they didn't think it was a good idea to go out and, and be the way that we were and act the way that we were, which was just like more simple, like, try to get people feeling like they're in charge of themselves again, try to empower patients, try to have like a no frills approach, like nothing fancy, not trying to like overly market, just like really getting back to basics and, and really trying to listen to people. And I did have mentors. I had so many wonderful, wonderful mentors. And my, my biggest earliest mentor, um, Diane Lee, she's like a, you know, a guru in the, in the physio space, so to say, but she really helped me. I met her during when I was doing my master's, I wasn't even a physio yet. And just for her to give me the time and the space to listen to me and encourage me, that made me want to be a physio. And as I learned from her and was her student and her pupil and eventually started teaching with her, she was the one who really encouraged me and her teaching partner at the time, LJ, they really encouraged me and Candice to, you know, go on your own. It's okay to be a female owned business. It's okay to have a business partner is hard you're going to be in like another marriage essentially but if you have the same morals and same beliefs um, you just have to be ready for anything and if it's over one day you be prepared for that and if it's not over like you nurture the relationship and just put your morals out there and so that's kind of how it worked out like we didn't we didn't it came out of need and it came out of just being real with each other we're not similar. <laughs> we have very <laughs> similar morals. Like we believe in the same goods. We believe in the same bads where we get hurt in the same way, but the way that we execute, the way that we plan, the way that we like understand and visualize things, they're very different, but the core of like the good and the bad, it's, that's kind of what glued us. So that's kind yeah. of why Mend is there. Mm-hmm. it's 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 an amazing capture and i think for anybody picking this up the 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 people that are here live or the people that are picking up the, this up by podcast the energy that radiates um and, and resonates through your voice and your words uh, the, the simplicity is like I, I don't know it's the most beautiful word to describe it <laughs> and, and i don't mean to downplay that as as any sort of negative connotation to simplicity but walking into your space so coming off of I'll just for context for those that are out there listening uh, a hip repair a labral repair osteochondroplasty on both sides of the joint and and the capsulotomy in in a right hip of a right dominant sort of athlete in my prime years I guess or whatever um, but a, but a, you know a new father crawling around on the floor and all of a sudden can't crawl around anymore so this needs to be fixed and I know sort of some of the mechanics so on and so forth but walking in there it wasn't you're a hip surgery it was you're a human being I'm going to listen to you I'm going to listen to your body we're going to do this together and very much that piece of enabling the patient to be the power in the relationship. I, I, I think I learned that in our interactions uh, through that rehab and have 
grown from our interactions and I don't think I ever reached back to thank you. Maybe I did through email, but here we are face to face and have a live <laughs> audience and other people listening. So thank you for that, because at, at that role that you served at that time in my life, uh, I think started the ball rolling towards this very human centric approach and and sort of breaking down the mechanistic approach to rehab uh, and strength and conditioning and all of these pieces that I don't think for any fault of anybody, but as we go through school, we sort of two-dimensionalize a lot of things. Things are all on paper and it's tough to activate those things with humans for a lot of people until you have either an aha moment or you meet somebody who does it that way. And you're like, wow, this is super valuable and reasonable and I don't have a whole lot to remember here when I walk out of here, other than like, here are the, you know, the two things you don't want to do, but here are the, the 15 things that I want you to do, you know, like think about the things that you can do. So um, thank you for that. First and foremost, I, as a selfish act, I wanted to have you on here to thank you uh, in front of an audience, but uh, it's true. It's an amazing space that you've created with, with this opportunity to find that um, is, is that, sort of the main target when you say, yeah, we're not going to market, we're not going to pour things out there. It's going to be sort of word of mouth. It's going to be people who walk in are going to feel better when they walk out. And that's going to speak for itself. Is that sort of, is that a fair summation of, of how things work? For sure. And I definitely think that it was, you know, we had a lot of people that um, are not in the rehab space that were really trying to discourage us from having that as our main model of marketing. I mean, but that's just what we were comfortable with. We weren't really comfortable doing anything else. And we just like try really hard. We're just like those girls that try really hard. And, and or I'll say we're those women. We just really want to make sure that people um, feel that they got the best value and that we really were able to help them. And then that they can come back and trust us and then maybe pass on the good word. Because we really felt like, especially in our neighborhood that we were working in, that that neighborhood was like a big, like, who do you see and who do you trust and you know who do you go to kind of neighborhood and so we just really put ourselves out there and really try to introduce ourselves to people in our community and other business owners too and just let people know what we were about and just hope that we were attracting that kind of person so whoever we are hopefully we can attract similar people and it kind of worked so <laughs> we're yeah, still yeah, here absolutely. right pandemic yeah. and all and <laughs> 10 years, almost 10 years now so it's it's worked out yeah, a, a beautiful lesson uh, all the way through. And and you touched on teaching and maybe going, you know, do your kin and then go and be a PE teacher. There's so much of this that's an element of teaching that I, I think you don't have to be in a classroom to be a teacher, but you also are a student every day. Uh, one of the things in your bio that is on your website as well is, is that you learn from your patients, the stories they tell, the, the way that they walk in, the way that they talk to you, you're continually growing that way as well as, and we can go here as well, you know, the, the academic or the hands-on skills or these, these other pieces are, are part of it. But I, I think this bigger piece is, is understanding, right? One another, compassion, empathy, these pieces of, and the pandemic has certainly shone a pretty bright light on, on, on what humans need. They need to move. They need to feel listened to. They need to be heard and they need to be cared for at certain times and, and, and feel like they can be themselves and, and get more out of themselves upon interacting with you and, and your staff there. So, um, 
the teaching piece, uh, you go back, I, I have a number of, of physiotherapy uh, people in my life as well. And every one of them who champions for physiotherapy knows who you are and has probably studied under you or alongside you or something like this. Um, I'm humbled. I'm humbled. <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, well, I mean, as you should be, but also uh, warranted to, to have all the praise. Um, uh, what do you do with teaching now? Is there an active component to your practice beyond the patients and then also with patients? So let's just go there first. In, in the physiotherapy world, you take on students, you take on work study people. How does that work for, for you in your space? Well, I definitely, I still try to volunteer with U of T, their physio program, just it's like local, it's close by. Yep. And after having my son, that was like, I was like, you know what, I do have a couple hours a week where I can pop in and, and help with the clinical labs. And one of my other mentors, Eason Young, he's one of the main, main guys there. And I just like to watch him to teach. I like to watch him teach as well. So even though I'm there volunteering, I get to watch someone lead and then also get to, you know, I'm like a pump up person. Like the students are so, they just want to, to feel validated. And sometimes it's about like taking a step back, like always stepping back and like observing the context and seeing what's going on. And then being able to like quench some fears, allow people to like get back to a relaxed state and then to be able to ask questions. And they're always so concerned that you'll be judging them. Like, I think that's, that helps me to slow down when I'm talking to patients as well. You know, like the context, it really matters. Like context matters. We can't prevent or treat or do anything if we don't know where somebody's coming from. And that's how I get like my student, the student part. And you know, these are my, these are my colleagues. These are people that are going to be coming into the profession and like providing the legacy and, and helping our profession. And if I want the next generation to like help break down some of those systems, the negative parts, the health inequity parts, I have to show, um, show them kindness and humility and hope that they can, they can come in with confidence to work, but also show and pass that kindness and humility onto their patients. And that like, you don't need to know everything. And I don't need to express a power dynamic, which I'm like really passionate about breaking a power dynamic down. I can show it to them and I can hopefully have them pass through. And then I also teach in the orthopedic division, which is the continuing education for um, physiotherapists that are looking for, um, I believe it's called the advanced um, integrated musculoskeletal training system. Now <laughs> they rebranded the name, but it's basically like after you um, have finished your physio degree, if you wanna do advanced ortho, that's the option in the community. So I work in, I work and teach in there as well, as much as I can, um, yeah. That's about yeah. it for the teaching part. <laughs> well, it, it's enough. You know, you're running a clinic, you're teaching, we're working with people every day. And 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 I think all of this stuff is amazing. And and if we've had students on this podcast in the past, athletic therapy students and and trying to to collaborate with multi-practitioners, right? Multi-dimensional uh, approaches, transdisciplinary approaches, PT, Cairo, throw away titles and let's talk about the things that we're passionate about. And, and some of those things, the power dynamics and the kindness and compassion. And, and these are things that we don't get taught in school. These are things that we pick up from mentors, from conversations like this. And I think um, this platform as uh, one avenue to showcase these things from living professionals who have been there and carved their own path and are doing amazing work to hear it from you it goes such a long way so again thank you for sharing thank you for being here because these are the this is what this 
platform is geared towards is showcasing your story because you're the expert of it. But in doing so, it's, it's gaining expertise for myself in listening and hosting and, and not having a script of where we're going to take this, but understanding that there's so much to learn from one another if we're just ready to listen and, and open to doing so. So um, really beautiful stuff and, and amazing capture. So uh, not done yet, but session 78 here with Nicole Sullivan. Um, there's some overlap and congratulations to you for being a part of the volleyball world. Uh, a couple uh, women um, in the beach scene recently qualified, right? Two, it is both both pairs qualified yeah. for the Olympics. Um, mm -hmm. Some overlap there with Mel and uh, Mel Humana Paredes and, and her partner is Sarah, right? Pavin, mm -hmm. Pavin. Mm -hmm. um, and then Brandy Wilkerson and then the name slips me of her partner as I'm just going through this. But both were at York when I was there as an athletic therapist, both amazing young women and, and were playing floor and indoor volleyball and then transitioned out um what was that like for you to have athletes qualify to the olympics i mean it's not the first time probably for you but always an exciting um you know i, I guess a little bit of a moment to sort of say wow like the work we're doing matters in this space too yeah i mean i'm so lucky that the time that i came into the program we were on the upslope for the women right we were really starting to pick up speed and and um sarah pavin and heather bansley were the previous uh, Olympic um, team with Jamie Broder and Christina Valleas. Uh, and th that was from Rio. And so Heather and uh, Brandy are now together as partners. And then uh, Melissa and Sarah, and they've, they've consistently ascended and they're just such good people too. I was just thinking like the, I'm really lucky to work with them because I've seen them at such a at such hard times and such good times too. Like you really get to know people when it's in different times of your life and you can talk about things that are outside of volleyball and, you know, check in with them and, and like, we're just humans. And so I'm just like, so happy that when people get that Olympic stage for, you know, you get all those little bio CBC puts together like little packages <laughs> about these people's lives. Like now the world will get to know them a little bit better. And it's just like such a good, thing for them to have that legacy like there's a lot of young women that look up to that that group of you know of four and even uh Christina and Jamie from before too that they really look up to them and I'm just so happy that I get to be around them and then on the men's side we have amazing athletes and amazing guys too and they're actually going to Mexico this week to try to win the last uh birth into the Olympics for the Canadian men so there's four of them playing like a Davis Cup style but at the end of that tournament, if they win the one berth for Canada, they actually have to play each other. So uh, Ben Sachs and Grant O'Gorman, who is a York alum so as yep. well. Yeah, and then uh, Sam Schachter and Sam Pedlow, they will have to play each other if they win. And whoever wins that duel will be joining us in Tokyo. So I'm just really lucky that the, the program was already there, you know, it's great to have the skills, like I'm not going to take any, any credit for the success. Um, I just know that it's like being there and being a part of helping to hold myself accountable to be there and to, to show, to show myself as being a consistent, like reliable source of expertise in my own little tiny area and like however I can help them and give commentary to them to help them to improve themselves I'm like so there for that and I'm just so happy for any of them to to call me as a resource and I definitely am not 
going to be an expert at everything we have to all know our silos and where we can like do our jobs the best and again i work very hard to to make it this far with them but also i i know that i have a lot of privileges that afforded me the ability to be here too so just really feel really lucky to work with them yeah and uh i mean congratulations because because that you don't just get to stick around if, if you're not all of those things. And I think the one thing um, showing up every day is easy, but showing up every day um, for who you are is a difficult thing to do. And, and that's one thing that I've recognized, you know, through a lot of time is that's hard to do myself included, athletes included, and, and, and knowing that you can be who you are and give yourself. And, and you touched on some really great points, accountability, a reliable source of expertise, um, being there and showing up and, and, and being the component that you need to be to support others. Um, but you also touched on earlier, you know, parenthood and, and the difficulty in, needing to travel for this stuff, uh, needing, but also getting, right? It is an opportunity. It is uh, a privilege to do so. Um, but you leave a lot of things behind when you do that. And how has that been, uh, if you're okay to talk about it? And, and sure. I think for, for younger practitioners out there and the ones with the eyes really wide and, and those of us with younger kids that, um, you know, through a pandemic, we spent a lot more time with our kids, uh, hopefully for, for those out there. And, um, decisions at the end of a pandemic as things transition back to, to travel or whatever it may be. Not easy. So how have you dealt with that? Uh, obviously, um, in whatever detail you're comfortable yeah. talking about. Yeah. No, it's, it's reality. And, you know, I have to, like, I had to bring, come back to the sexism part of it too. You know, you are given opportunities just at the time. And, and sometimes for women, we have different considerations. Like I really, really wanted to be here for this Olympics. I really wanted to make it you know, to the Olympics in general, it's like a big carrot, right? But at the same time, like, I really wanted to be a mom and figuring out the timing of when to do that and how to do that. And mm-hmm. luckily, I have a really supportive partner that's from a sports family that understands, you know, but it doesn't mean it's easy when I'm away, he has to stay with our with our kid. And when I was five weeks postpartum, we went to world championships in Hamburg and like with a five week old baby and like having to f- come back and pump and feed my kid. And my husband was there for the first week. And then he had to go to Notre Dame to, to write, he's writes football for Notre Dame for what on the Notre Dame site. So we had to leave. And then my brother's girlfriend was there and she was helping take care of my kid. And you know what we won like Sarah and Mel won world championships. Like that's huge. And to be there for that was amazing, but I had to have a lot of people helping me and a lot of support. And I also had to have my employer, like Volleyball Canada had to be down with me having my kid there. And the athletes also were showing a lot of compassion too. Like I was still showing up and doing my job, but there are times when my, when my son would be crying and I'd have to say, listen, I just need five minutes. They never discounted my professionalism for wanting to have both. And so delaying it a year it's been tough like I'm about to leave for five weeks and so again my husband's gonna have to he's gonna miss a bunch of work he's gonna probably fly out to Vancouver to be with his family because it's it's, during the pandemic it's really hard we haven't been seeing our sources of support my mom hasn't been able to come and take like help take care like we don't have anyone we just have us and so with me going if my husband wants to get work done and also just taking care of a very active two-year-old you need help and so again like we lean on family but it's not easy and it's definitely like five weeks is a really long time to be away from anybody that you love but to be away from 
your partner and your child, it's tough. Like I won't, I won't pretend it's fine, but also to like, remember that being a good parent is like working on all the other parts of your whole self. And that's a big part of what makes me my whole self. And I'm very lucky that my, even if it's hard, my partner, you know, he supports me and it's, it's a good example uh, for us to like, to be able to step back and say, you know, thanks so much for doing that for me. Like I have to be humbled that he's helped me. I would do the same for him. So amazing. And uh, appreciate you sharing um, those parts uh, with everybody with, with me, with us here tonight. I, 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 those are critical components to, to life in the fast lane, to life at, at high level sport, um, all the considerations that go into it. And, you know, some recent, uh, examples have highlighted that right in women's sport and then NCAA tournament uh, women's the basketball tournament there with Adia Barnes and and the head coach at, at Arizona and you know the, the inequities that were shown through the men's and women's uh, sport there in basketball and then again in sort of the college world series and, and softball in, in the NCAA and um, just sort of showcasing some of those pieces live right and these are the experiences and these are real and um motherhood is is a, a thing unto itself let alone being there to service others and, and care for and, and drive home the professional demeanor and and all the pieces that go into winning a world championship and and what an amazing feat and uh i'm sure all of those around you are in awe of that as well and, and managing all of those pieces um uh it's just terrific to see and and the beach world is an interesting one right it's an interesting sport uh, <laughs> uh a, a lot of uh um, a lot of athletes have transitioned, right? And so maybe we'll transition here as well over into sort of some of the professional space and the development and, and the education pieces um, that have sort of solidified your uh, manual skill set and your skill set uh, in the clinic. Um, the human first approach is is uh, obviously of the utmost importance, and I think you've highlighted that, and it resonates, and and it and it really um, we can feel that in listening to you. Um, when it comes to skill sets, maybe not as a secondary thing, but as um, as somebody who's been in practice for as long as you have. Where does that rank when you're talking with, uh, or how does that, how do you evaluate that in students and how do you evaluate that in yourself in terms of I'm this type of therapist? You know, I was asked the other day, like this person says they're this and they say they're this, like, what are you? And I said, like, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, so I'll throw it your way and see if you can answer it. Um, yeah. When it comes to sort of highlighting, you know, what do you need to know and, and how do you deem yourself a, a strong practitioner? Yeah, I, I was reflecting on this because I thought that we might talk about it. And I remember that um, I remembered when I was um, doing some courses at the beginning of my career and I have taken everything. And it's just because I'm really curious to see how other people think and like solve problems. It's not because I want the cred, but I've taken everything. I just mm -hmm. like signed up for another master's at Western, like their sport and exercise medicine. I just finished the IOC sport physiotherapy, physical therapies program. Like I'm constantly just trying to learn stuff. Cause I just like to see, like put on different people's thinking caps. Like there's no right, there's no wrong. I'm just like looking around. I like reading, but I remember the beginning of my career um, when I was taking the manual therapy levels that there was like definitely like uh, when you get good at handling the joint or when you get good at feeling this, like you'll know. And there was like a mysticism about it. And then another <laughs> one of my mentors said she was so offended because somebody said like, 
to her and I don't think that they meant this in a negative way it's like it doesn't really matter it just matters that you're nice and she took it as offensive and I remember thinking like it wouldn't it be nice though if someone did come back to you because you were nice like I think I actually would value that but I felt kind of like weak like I felt like that was like wrong to feel that way and like full circle to come back to it I think I was talking to my partner about this. If you ask people why they come to me or why a patient would recommend me, I don't think it would have anything to do with like hard skills. I think it actually would be because people would say she's nice or she made me feel good about myself or she like like gave me agency of my body or she's good at uh, answering my questions I feel like that was all the stuff that I didn't learn in courses directly but indirectly learned in courses by watching the way that people talk to each other or watching my patients talk to me or telling me about their interactions positive or negative that they had with other people so even when we go to hire or I'm interviewing somebody to hire them for our clinic we like to ask them about non-therapy stuff because like people can learn, they went to university, they learned some things, like you can teach yeah. someone to do a certain thing or to think a certain way, but maybe just like asking about people's hobbies or like asking about what makes people passionate or happy or sad, that kind of, I think that that learning and like everyone will be so different. It doesn't mean that you're like a better practitioner because you learned something one way or have all these skills. Like, I mean, sure, it can help you. Maybe you may have like 10 tools instead of five. So maybe you can find a good match with the person that you're working with. But I do think that that really stuck with me about the, the emotion that I felt when the person said like, you know, I'm so insulted. They said it was just like, cause I was, cause I was <laughs> nice. And I was like, maybe I wouldn't be so bad. So yeah. maybe that's not and a great answer about skills, but it's actually probably <laughs> the great the greatest capture that I've heard in terms of this. You know, you, you touched on it earlier. You said one thing like we're just humans. And and I think understanding that each one of us is a human and each one of us experiences those things. Yeah. If somebody's going to come back to you because you're nice. That's a that's a pretty high praise. That's a pretty great compliment to have. And um, I would agree. That is a reason that I would come back to see you from personal experience, but, but also having knowledge in the space and then being able to, to talk that through, um, at various levels, right? So being able to break it down at high level, be, have a complex conversation with the people that you need to have complex conversations with, and then being able to simplify it to, to, um, you know, me on a bad day or me on a really good day, who knows, um, that needs to understand it a different way. Uh, that piece of it is again a soft skill and the soft skills the soft skills play this is what i'm i'm more and more aware of on a regular basis mm -hmm. and more and more aware of the fact that everybody's an expert online everybody's got the book that they could just go to page 73 and say look we should be doing this or we've done it this way for this long and here's some data to prove it um okay that's wonderful but like what about that human being and for us in our space it's it's the human being under the jersey right in the sports space specifically but strip away jersey and put on uh caretaker put on uh, mother put on whatever the role is that somebody is uh aligned with or attached to or defined by in their life if we don't understand that we don't understand anything and so frc or pri or art like whatever acronym you want to use is is, is relevant 
uh, only in the context, as you touched on already. So some amazing captures and, and just, I don't know, I, again, like I, I reflect on our time uh, together often and, and wish that maybe we can have more conversations on, on a regular basis. So I'll just come in and be a patient just to learn from you or, or volu <laughs> volu volunteer once more humans are allowed in spaces. I'll walk around the corner and, and do some of that stuff. Um, some amazing captures. Uh, so what's next for you in terms of, you said you're going away for five weeks, right? Obviously the uh, the Olympics and things are coming. Um, where is that? What's coming next for you? And and I guess we can kind of wrap this thing up. Don't want to keep you too long here this evening, but um, take that wherever you so choose. Yeah, I don't know. I, I got to be a mom. So I think like whatever that brings, um, the pandemic has been challenging. Like my son's not even, he's not talking yet and he's two and I need to, we need to stay supportive and keep working with him. And that's work. That's part of my job. And that's like the, the best part of, you know, being a parent is like working and, and trying to be loving and, and do it when you're tired. So that's what's coming up for that. That's a for sure. The mm -hmm. clinic, I mean, just making sure that we keep making a safe space for, for everyone. And it's really challenging in terms of being a boss through this pandemic, because, you know, people aren't all right. And people are really working and they're working as caregivers too. So trying to continually check in and, and make space for those people, but also take time for ourselves. So knowing that there's going to be a period to come down after the Olympics, like there's that five, five weeks, I'm going to be away, but then I'm going to have to come back and go back to, to life again. And it's like a really intense situation for that moment but then real life exists on such a grand scale outside of these athletic events that seem like the biggest thing for that moment and they are the biggest thing for when you're focusing for sure but to know that there's there's so much in the world um that's that needs to be done and needs to be noticed um I think my heart lies in like figuring out where I'm where I stand in the world of, um, you know, health equity and how I can figure out what I'm doing to like uphold or to help not uphold or be aware of like whatever inequities are being upheld right now. And so figuring out if that's in the teaching space or the academic space where I can help our profession or, you know, to figure out where we can take down some of these systems. So I don't think I'm gonna do my PhD, but who knows? I have a lot of mentorship right now too. So I think like digging yeah. in, if my mentor has time, Tracy Blake, she's awesome. She helps me so much to just what to read and understand understand where I fit in there. So wherever that takes me, I think that that'll be, that'll be where I am. But I'm pretty good at just rolling with what comes in. So that's more my style. Yeah, and not, no. I don't get stressed out about a million, about a million things coming, but I always have a full plate and then, just making sure that, you know, I give attention to the things that, that I choose to give attention to and to be mindful that how it's impacting other people around me. Yeah, amazing stuff. And and I think the the humility and again, sort of the the awareness that you have of, of everything that goes on and, and not emptying your cup in one area and, and, and you know, filling one area and, and leaving others out, right? It's a juggling act. The balance of things has to sway a little bit and um, amazing shares all night long. I, I have made pages and pages of notes over here. I appreciate mm -hmm. you carving in some time. Um, I guess just before you go, uh, 
when it comes to uh, athletes specifically, um, just before you, you run off here, um, dealing with athletes and dealing with non-athletes, how do you differentiate there? Where do you put the intensity or what does the conversation or the interaction feel like? Um, or does it, does it change um, when it comes to preparation or carrying out an event versus preparation or caring in the clinical space for somebody in their daily life that isn't an athlete? Yeah, I think context, again, like context matters. Like, where did someone come from? What's happening in their daily life? You know, people make a lot of assumptions about athletes and what privileges are bestowed to them, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of inequities that are imposed upon them as well. So I think preparing uh, mentally to make sure that, you know, I have all the emergency stuff, uh, all the checklists for all the emergency things ready, but then at the same time, making sure that I don't come in with any assumptions about where someone should be at or what they should know or what they don't know or what kind of life experiences they've been having in the last few days, months, years. So I think just in in terms of like where society has laid a little bit of uh, overlay or glasses on you to make assumptions about certain people, I think just trying to come in really open and in that athletic space, especially really not making should make assumptions about any patients but in that athlete space they really you know sometimes athletes are resistant to also give you all the information because they feel that they're bind or tied to um certain personas or certain lifestyle or how they have to uphold some kind of image so yeah i think that's maybe the only thing that might be different is to really have to check myself before i enter the situation not to be upholding those those um, assumptions as well. Yeah. And knowing yourself. And I think that's another key piece is, is we can't know another unless we know ourselves. And so taking that time to check in, taking that time to uh, evaluate and reflect before entering a, a scenario, no assumptions, no frills, um, but then adding a K and adding a W at the end of no, and, and just knowing um, who's there in front of you and, and where you are at as a practitioner and as a human interacting with them um, goes a long, long way. So uh, we'll wrap it up there because I feel like we could stay on here for hours and hours and, and <laughs> may, maybe we'll do it again at the other side of a gold medal in, or, or a gold and a silver or however it's going to work out in Tokyo. Um, uh, an amazing evening this evening with uh, with Nicole Sullivan here. Uh, Mend Physio, people can find you there. That's that's probably a central place. Is that fine? If people can, yeah, yeah, yeah. so people can people can reach out through there um, uh, or through me, and I'm happy to connect you with Nicole as well. It's been uh, plenty of shares, plenty of caring, compassion as always, real as real gets. And uh, session 78, let's chat and athletic therapy podcast. We'll go again uh, next week with Coach Aaron McElane and the newest head coach at UBC with the women's basketball program out there. Uh, Session 80 will also go this month, we hope, with Drew Hutchison. That's session four of four, part four of four, with our Tommy John uh, education series. So uh, stay tuned, tune back in. Remember OATA members, uh, June 26th, that's the AMM. So make sure you're there, make sure you get heard, make sure you also turn your listening ears on. Nicole, thank you so much for being here, everybody for being here live. And those of you picking up the podcast, as always brought to you by First Start Therapy, Mobility Tape, Epic, Benchmark Athletics in association with the Canadian Athletic Therapist Association, Thanks again and good night.
Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this community. Check us out online, firststartherapy.com. That's F-I-R-S-T-A-R therapy.com. Or email us with feedback, consult at firststartherapy.com. C-O-N-S-U-L-T at firststartherapy.com. On Instagram at firststar.therapy. And our podcast host at letschat.at. This is First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast.